Welcome to Sports, Screens, and Something Else. Join two friends as they give their unfiltered opinions on the world of sports, the entertainment industry, and a little bit of something else. And now, your hosts, Will Dickerson and Trevor Pace. So, Trevor, the eggnog connoisseur that I am. Oh, yeah. Uh, there's a, one of the managers at work. Her dad makes an excellent eggnog. Okay. Excellent, excellent eggnog. And I've yeah. talked about it before. Well, my one of my coworkers overheard me talking about the eggnog, and she got me a full gallon oh, wow. of this eggnog uh, to take home. And it was wonderful and delicious, and the kids loved it. So I've been inspired. And only slightly alcoholic. And only slightly. <laughs> Just enough to get the kids to go to sleep. You know what I mean? <laughs> We all need help that way. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna move a little bit into your world. Okay. I am going to find a bunch of eggnog recipes. Okay. And try to make some and find one that I like. Oh yeah, I'll, I can send you one. Do you have one that you like? Uh, one that I made before. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Send me that. Okay. But I want to find a really good eggnog recipe. I imagine most of them are fairly similar, right? The, the slight variation. I imagine. This one, the interesting thing about it is that it's not very thick. It's more the consistency of milk, like barely thicker than milk. Mm, but so it's you got, like that? But it's got a lot of cinnamon and nutmeg. Sure. Right? As, but you got to like shake it up do. before you pour it. Uh, to yeah. to kind of... R- Remix it or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. It's yeah. good. Well, yeah. any recipe that you have, you can always just alter it a little bit because it's you're going to have the same basic stuff. Eggs, cream, milk, sugar, and then eggnog and, or um, nutmeg and cinnamon. Right. So if you're, if you're like, ah, it's too heavy, you know, go more milk or, or go more half and half or so something like that. what does it say about me that the moment you said you could change the recipe, I just got a crazy anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm not a brave chef. That's for sure. Well, well, hey, Trevor, we are entering into our second Christmas episode. Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever think in your wildest dreams that this podcast would last not only three weeks, but like 80 something? Yeah. Yeah. We just put out our 83rd episode. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is 84. Yeah. Something. I don't know. So, no, I didn't. I'm I'm impressed by us. Yeah. We either don't know when to quit or find some joy in creating something. Yeah. Right? and I plan on doing it for uh, the foreseeable future. Literally till I die. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. But you told me about this cool Christmas tradition in Japan. Tell yeah. me about it. Yeah. So uh, KFC for Christmas in Japan. Yeah. Uh, every Christmas season, an estimated 3.6 million Japanese families treat themselves to Kentucky Fried Chicken. In what has become a nationwide tradition. Kentucky's greatest export. It's, 
I don't even go to KFC here in the United States ever. I, I can't remember. I never the last see time. anyone go. <laughs> I never see anyone in the parking lot. I never go, and yet I still see them around. <laughs> Somebody's going to KFC. Uh, it's Japanese families, probably Apparently. that are that are uh, vacationing here. Yeah. Um, so. December is a busy month for KFC in Japan. Daily sales at some restaurants during the Christmas period can be 10 times their usual take. Uh, getting the KFC special Christmas dinner often requires ordering, ordering it weeks in advance. And those who didn't wait in line sometimes for hours. That's crazy. Yeah. Takashi Okawara, the manager of the first KFC in the country, woke up at midnight shortly after it opened in 1970 and jotted down an idea that came to him in a dream, a party barrel to be sold on Christmas. Uh, he dreamed up the idea after overhearing a couple of foreigners in his store talk about how they missed having a turkey for Christmas. And uh, he hoped that a Christmas dinner of fried chicken could be a fine subst- substitute. Uh, so he began marketing his party barrel as a way to celebrate the holiday. Uh, in 1974, KFC took the marketing plan national, uh, and, uh. I want you to try this. Okay. Please try to say this word. Calling it, uh, <laughs> Kurusumasu Niwa Kentucky. Kazuntite. Or Kentucky for Christmas. So, uh, yeah, I totally butchered that, I'm sure. But I just thought it was crazy. So he sees, obviously, foreigners can't get turkeys um, uh, for a Christmas dinner. Because they are not native to the island of Japan. No, correct, correct. And I've heard of other people experiencing this very thing in other countries. Mm -hmm. And uh, having to order... Uh, a turkey months in advance or something like Interesting. that for Christmas. So he sees that this is an issue and he thinks, ah, oh, you know, KFC, chicken, maybe that'll be. The-. And, and they decide to do a marketing KFC for or Kentucky for Christmas. And uh, just takes off and takes off. Not for the foreigners, but for the locals, for, for Japanese families. What? The weirdest things catch on, Trevor. It's the crazy. <laughs> Uh, I saw pictures with this story, and it, and it's true. There is lines out the door wow. uh, of Japanese families at the KFC. I, if you asked me what is a popular re- fast food place to go to for Christmas in Japan, I would have guessed a hundred yeah. restaurants before yeah. KFC. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, that's so cool though. Yeah, I thought it was pretty interesting. So, well, will with that. Uh, let's go into, uh, fan email. Yeah, so we got two this week. One was from Alex, our, uh, official SSSE, uh, show fashion specialist. Yes, yes. Uh, he gave what I think is a really good definition for business casual. Okay. Okay. So he, his definition is this, two dressy pieces. Okay. So, this can be a button-up shirt in, sla- in slacks. Those are two dressier options, right? If you want to wear jeans, make sure the other two things you wear are dressy, like a sport coat and a button-up with your jeans, that All kind right. of thing. Gotcha, gotcha. So, if you if you do that, you should be business casual. 
Okay. Gotcha. I really like that definition. Okay. So uh, rather than button-up shirt and slacks, and then for women, whatever Hillary Clinton wears. <laughs> that I is our official that was. rating of... <laughs> That was our official standard. So if if you're a woman, it's like, <laughs> wait, does Hillary Clinton wear that? No, sorry, not business casual. That is not business casual. According to the uh, sports screens and something else criteria. That's right. I I think that using two dressy pieces as a good baseline is a pretty good way to know if you are business casual or not. Well, Alec is our... Uh, uh, our course, what what do we call it? He's specialist? our he's our fashion specialist, fashion, our fashion. unpaid fashion. I wanted intern. to say correspondent. Ooh, but. yeah, <laughs> we could turn this into a news show. <laughs> We're going live to Alec at uh, Men's Warehouse. Alec, how are the belts over there? Uh, so thank you, Alec. Really appreciate it. Uh, and then uh, we had Heather writing to the show for the second time. And she actually gave us a really good something else topic. We're going to steal it and use it. So Really good. I really I thought it was a great idea. Yeah. So we won't talk about it right now. But thank you, Heather, for yeah. making thank, our job easier. Yeah. Thank you both. Uh, as far as stuff we got wrong, we won't know yet. But as we usually do, uh, we're going to record today. Today's our Christmas episode. And we're going to take the two-week vacation We'll come back at the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. When we come back, we will know how Avatar 2 was and how it did financially. Yeah, because it releases uh, on... Probably today. T- is it today? Tomorrow, tomorrow. Yeah, today, tomorrow. Um, so, yeah, when, so. When, when we come back in the new year, we'll... We'll be able to gauge how well it did. It'll either be a roaring success or James Cameron will never be allowed to make another movie. Already some of the reviews are coming out that state that it's really long. Mm-hmm. That, but that it's good. Yeah. Uh, that the, it's very pretty looking. Pretty good. Pretty looking. Um, some, I've seen some negative reviews basically saying that the plot is pretty vanilla. Um, but that, I've heard uh, there's a lot of water. A lot, a lot of water, and that the basically the third hour is the best. Uh, the the culmination, I've heard the, the big the battle at the end, is climax, pretty good. Yes. Yeah, so so it's basically the first one again. There you go. Pretty vanilla story. Really pretty to look at. Good battle at the end. Yeah, could have been an hour shorter. It'll be interesting <laughs> to see how well it does at the box office because so many movies this year yeah. tanked. Well, did, did not do well. Avatar came out of nowhere. Yeah. It wasn't on a whole lot of people's there's radar. A, well, there was a lot of buzz because of the 3D. The 3D coming back. But it exploded. Yeah. Like, many people went to see it several, several times. Because uh-huh. they had never seen a world built like that. And having it be that well animated and the CGI and all that stuff was just miles beyond most stuff. And I also feel like there was so much hype. That it almost carried the reputation of the film, regardless of whether it was actually good or not. Right. Because I feel like there were other... I know... I think I might have seen it twice in theaters. I'm not sure. But if I did... I saw it it twice. If Mm -hmm. I did, it wasn't because it was good. It was because, well, I guess we have to go see it again because it was just so incredible or whatever. I saw it once. The first time I saw it, it was in 2D. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And then everyone's like, no, you got to see it in 3D. So I went with a bunch of friends to see it in 3D. Just hurt my head. Yeah. I was like, thanks for the $20 headache, James. (laughs) Anyway. So we'll see how it does. I I still think that it will do fine, Mm -hmm. but nowhere near as good as the first one. No. No. I think it'll be one of their more successful Christmas outings. More successful than the last few Star Wars movies, anyway. Hmm. We'll see. Well, let's talk about sports, Trevor. Sports. Trevor, I'm going to start on a rather somber note today. So Mike Leach, the beloved head coach of the Mississippi State Bulldogs, Uh passed away. I heard this, yes. At the age of 61. Yeah. Massive heart attack. Yeah. Um, Now, I love Mike Leach personally. Uh, He's a BYU guy. He coached under Lavelle. That's where he learned the air raid offense that he took to Texas Tech that made him famous. And he's kind of coached all over the place. He coached at Washington State. Um, he was assistant, an assistant at a few places, and then he ended up at Mississippi State. Um, and they were about to play a bowl game. And unfortunately, he had this heart attack, and he passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I think I will miss most about Mike Leach are his non-football interviews. <laughs> yeah, he had some uh, quirky things. Yeah. So everybody said um, Mike Leach really recruited the player before the – or recruited the person before the player. Mm. Um, and you can tell by a lot of the interviews he does, his only interest is not – he. He has more interests than just football. Okay. Uh, I wouldn't call him a renaissance renaissance man or anything, but he was interested in a lot of stuff. Um, one of his recruits um, this week after he passed away said, when Mike would call my phone, I had to sit there and think, do I have an hour to be on the phone right now <laughs> because Mike would just call him and he said, and we would talk for an hour about everything but football. <laughs> yeah. And Mike talked about how he got a lot of that from Lavelle. Like Lavelle Edwards knew everybody's, all of his players, wife's names, mm-hmm. their kids' names. Mm-hmm. He knew, um, he, he knew so much about all of his staff and their families and everything and how, how that made Mike Leach feel that Lavelle, this legendary coach, mm-hmm. knew him personally uh-huh. and cared about him. Yeah. And so he brought that to everything that he did, too. Yeah. Uh, didn't he famously something about a pirate? Like, didn't he talk like a pirate or he was a pirate? He, he loves he being all a pirate. He of stuff. So I wanted to go through and read some of my favorite Mike Leach moments. Okay. And then end on... The one that you reminded me of. Okay. And I'll I'll give you the honor of going through that. But uh, he's got some amazing quotes. And this is what we're missing. Most college football coaches, when they do interviews, it's strictly about football. It's business only. And then they're out of there, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mike Leach, he was just a unique, fun coach. Mm -hmm. And I'll miss that about him. 
Because okay. every year he he'd have an interview where just something he'd say something kooky and funny. Yeah. So this word uh, gets thrown around uh, excessively right now, and there's way too much emphasis on it. But this word really does define who Mike Leach was, and that's authentic. Yes. Right. Uh, he he was authentic. He was who he was and unapologetic. And just he way weird guy, but uh, yeah. But before we get into some of the crazy stuff he said, do you know that he? I think he. I don't know about currently, but I know at one time he was only one of two uh, college football coaches that had never played football. I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, he didn't play football. Do you know he went to law school? That that was where he started. Uh, Coaching football? I didn't know that. I know he became a grad assistant that he never played. Yeah. 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 So, very smart guy. Oh, for Uh, sure. In fact, this year, uh, Mississippi State ran a play that he invented it. He invented that scheme. And then by the end of the year, like half of NCAA football is using that play now. Uh, Wow. to his very last breath, he was a very innovative, smart dude. Yeah, very, right? very smart. But yeah, I, like you said, he was always him. Some that that made him very beloved to the people that loved him. It also got him in a lot of trouble at a mm. lot of places. <laughs> but he didn't know how to be any anything else than who he was. Right. Uh, and here's just some of my favorite Mike Leach stuff that he said. First of all, the truest thing ever uh, to be uttered by man about candy corn. Okay. This is what he said. I think candy corn is awful. You know, it's like fruitcake. <laughs> There's a reason they serve fruitcake once a year because it's awful. There's a reason they only serve mint juleps once a year because they're awful. And there's a reason they only serve candy corn once a year because it's awful. Now that now that does beg the question why they serve it at all, but that's my opinion. <laughs> so when you're reading these, you have to remember for those that are listening that these were said during like a press conference, right? This where is... he's supposed to be talking about college football, right? So what happened is, and these probably don't do it justice because. He's talking Look about. Look him up for sure. Yeah, yeah. He's talking about candy corn and guaranteed the question he was asked was, what defensive scheme do you think you'll run this week? Or you like, know? Or and like, you're like, well, I just wanted to talk about candy corn. With the, with the quarterback out, who, who, who are you going to start? Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, where are the injuries like? And then he goes off. He somehow <laughs> lands on candy corn. Okay, yes. And it's just amazing because nobody is asking him about candy no, corn. No. In fact, um, all of these that you'll say, no one prompted or asked. Yeah. Any of these things out. In fact, this next one is very famous. Okay. Uh, the sideline reporter uh, just mentioned before they started filming, because mm-hmm. they, they do the halftime interviews or whatever on on your way to the locker room, right? And while the camera's getting set up, Mike Leach is standing there, and she mentions, I'm getting ready, I'm planning a wedding. And then the cameras start to roll, and he just starts given her wedding advice <laughs> so she goes and her fiance's name was trevor okay trevor was probably planning to elope but you didn't so go ahead and don't say anything else else about it 
but as soon as the football season's over, or even off, uh, during an off week, go elope. Trust me on that. <laughs> go elope, because basically every female in the family is going to terrorize you guys until it's over. Once it's over, I mean, they'll be upset for a few days, but it'll be over. Then you can cruise along to have a happy marriage and have a happy life. Trevor, unless he's crazy, is totally on my side. Trust me on this. If Trevor doesn't have the sense to do that, tell him to call me. <laughs> I've told all my kids, I'll give you 10000 extra dollars if you elope. So far, they haven't done it, but I would, too. <laughs> And this is so he's, he's supposed, she's so he's supposed like, to ask him like what do you, what adjustments are you gonna make for the second half? Yeah. And instead she is bright red as he's like telling her to go elope, stop planning your wedding. <laughs> and it's just so amazing. It's great. Uh I wish he had given me that advice. Actually. Right. <laughs> Personally, yeah. Everybody afterwards is like, "Why did why I do? Did, why did I do that?" Yeah. I told I've told my kids I've got money in it for them if they will do the reception at a movie theater or get married at all <laughs> or do that. Uh, this last one that I'll mention is about a Viking axe. Yeah. Do you remember this one? Uh. uh, uh. So someone somehow he got on the topic of gun control. Okay. And you, you think it's going one direction, and then in true Mike Leake fashion, he just pulls a 180 on you. Yeah. He says, there's this absurd notion, if you come in my house, I'll shoot you. I do have a Viking axe by the by the bed if I need to whack someone. My wife, my wife bought me a Viking axe. The axe side curls down so you can grab the adversary around the neck, and you can use it to climb walls as a grappling hook. Okay. Sure, sure. Mike. (laughs) I'm sure. Whatever you say, bud. Everybody in that room who was thinking, we're talking about gun control, thought we'd end up with a Viking (laughs) As a grappling hook, no no less. So anyway, I I just love that about Mike. But probably his ultimate... With something you brought up, the mascot fight yeah. in the Pac-12. Yeah. So again, he he's being asked about you know who who's going to win the Pac-12 championship or right. something like that, and he says, you know, Arizona. I'm going to say the Wildcat is out. Uh, the Trojan. Uh, does he have a horse or is he on foot? Does he have a bow and an arrow or just a sword? <laughs> he starts talking about the mad guys and who would win yes. in a fight. Yes. He is the Bruin, uh, definitely formidable. Uh, Cal, another bear. Uh, Stanford, the tree. I bet that tree is going to get chopped down. Uh, unless we're going to go with a bird and somebody might get pecked or something. I don't know. <laughs> He said the duck might lose interest and just fly away and get out of there. Mm. Um, the husky, no chance. <laughs> the beaver, we'll see how long that beaver can hold its breath. <laughs> the ute, we're back to, is he on horseback? Does he have a bow and an arrow? Did he trade for a rifle? Because if that ute has a rifle, there's gonna <laughs> there's some definite problems. Uh, Arizona State, you have to get one of those Harry Potter activists. <laughs> To read up on how do you kill a sun devil because there's a lot of outside stuff there. <laughs> Famous uh, Harry Potter activists. Yes. Uh, <laughs> buffalo, uh, just, as, just as far as a beast alone, a buffalo is going to be pretty hard to tangle with. 
And uh, Washington State Butch, the the Cougar, is going to have to be clear-minded and crafty. Butch will find a way, no question. There you go. So, uh, And everybody, (laughs) if you watch the interview, you can hear all the reporters simultaneously laughing (laughs) and typing away as fast as they possibly can (laughs) to make sure that they can get all this gold (laughs) written down. Good old Mike Leach. We'll miss you. So anyway... Obviously, his impact on the sport is felt in the air raid offense, in the especially how high scoring most of the offenses are now. But he'll also be missed as a guy that just was always himself, no matter what. And that's what people loved about him. There was nothing fake about Mike Leach. Mm-hmm. And I hope somebody says the same thing about me uh, one day at my funeral. When you're giving my eulogy, Trevor. <laughs> Sounds good. With that, let's move on to your topic. All right, Will. Uh, as it's the Christmas season, there's obviously a lot of focus on brotherly love and the Christmas spirit. And it got me thinking. Uh, well, Rudy Gobert the other night. He was... Uh, he was playing at uh, the Jazz Stadium, right? The, mm-hmm. What is it called The now? Vivint, Vivint Smart Home Arena. It'll always be Delta Center. <laughs> to everybody. They just sold it again. Did they? Yeah. To NRG Solutions. Oh. Oh. They're, a comp- they're a solar power company oh in my, Texas. Oh they goodness. just bought Vivint. That's what okay. it was. Okay, they bought Vivint. They just bought Vivint for like... Two billion dollars or oh, something. Wow, crazy! Wow, a bunch well, of billionaires running around Utah these days. Rudy is—he's—he uh, gets the ball thrown to him like two seconds left. Two seconds left, end of regulation, and uh, he's under the basket. He's all alone, and he just does a quick little layup or whatever, and it ends. And that is a violation. Of the code. Apparently. The code. Apparently. So, uh, apparently that was a big no-no because jazz guard uh, Malik Beasley uh, took exception to uh, Gobert's meaningless basket and confronted him mid-court after the final buzzer. The two players stood chest to chest and exchanged uh, pleasantries. It's just uh, another piece to the everybody hates Rudy Gobert puzzle. Yeah. Right? Well, I I guess. But it brought up the question of, well, this was frowned up, frowned upon because it was bad sportsmanship. Right. And I thought, well, okay, I get that it's the Christmas season and we should be uh promoting brotherly love and and the Christmas spirit, but is it possible that sportsmanship just in general, in any time of the year, is overrated, and I sportsmanship is overrated. Sportsmanship is overrated, mm. and uh, I would say absolutely it is overrated. Now, explain yourself. Uh, okay, so <laughs> listener is freaking out right now. He's yeah. thinking, of course, we're taught to be good humans and and nice people, and mm-hmm. and we need to, uh, you know, that those are good qualities, and and we need to. Uh, we we tell our kids when they first start playing sports and games hey it's important to be a good a good sport right mm-hmm. uh, have good sportsmanship shake their hands shake their hands after the game right. tell them good game um even if it wasn't a good even game even if it wasn't a good game <laughs> 
<laughs> and and you need to be a a good loser and all this stuff, right? Uh, that's ridiculous. We we don't actually want that. We say that because we want our kids to do that as kids. Mm. But do I really care if Rudy Gobert is running the score up at the end of a meaningless game where they're already up 30 points or 20 points or whatever? Yeah. Does it matter? No. Does it make him any less of a human or of a good person or anything like that? Was it really that outrageous that that Malik Beasley needs to go up to him and start chewing him out is that really important do we really need coaches shaking hands after the game good game coach good game does anyone mean it no when <laughs> in in college or in high school when it was required that after the game you do the lineup and everyone shakes hand good game good game good game no one means it Half of the kids are spitting on their hands and <laughs> doing stuff like that because Wiping you know what? The sweat yes, first. because you know what? And it doesn't. No one feels that way. No one genuinely believes what they are saying, unless unless they are the winners, and then you know, then it's okay. Yeah, good game because they didn't lose. These are professional athletes in right. most cases. They are not getting paid for good sportsmanship in terms of, and I'm not talking about being overly uh, or unnecessarily rude or mean, right? They don't need to be, you know, vulgar. You're just talking about running up the score. I'm talking about sportsmanship in terms of like how the we unwritten de- code. Yeah, and how we define it is, uh, but I obviously don't want players being unnecessarily rude or mean. But they also don't need to be unnecessarily nice either. Um, yeah. Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, Charles Barkley. These people did not exactly exhibit great sportsmanship on their teams. They punched players <laughs> on their team. They made fun of Kobe Bryant was infamous for yelling and making fun of players on his own team. You're right. Uh, Phil Jackson would mock his players constantly. Um, there's one that's coming to mind. Weird Navajo with, yoga with, with Luke Walton. <laughs> I I don't know where you're going with that one, but just the Phil Jackson idea, is a weird dude. He is a weird guy. But the idea that they didn't exhibit great quote unquote sportsmanship because it's a it's a job. These guys are getting paid millions of dollars. Right. Earlier that same day that uh, Rudy Gobert did, did this dunk, Zion Williamson, he's at home. He gets the ball. It's the end of the game. Same exact thing. He runs down the court. He does this, uh, you know, uh, NBA jam. Uh, crazy dunk. Crazy dunk. Yeah. yeah. Um, and... Uh, Chris Paul, they're playing uh, Phoenix Suns. Mm-hmm. Chris Paul runs down there, gets in his face, yells at him. Why? Why do we care? Sportsmanship is completely overrated. So, I will agree with you in one case and disagree with you in all other cases. You ready? Okay. Okay. So, in... In college sports specifically, okay. 
running up the score is not just encouraged, but it is necessary to make it to the tournament where you want to be, right? Yeah, well, okay, go ahead. In college football, right, you would always see teams, if it was a close game, right, let's say two great teams were playing each other, and a team won by seven, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But then you had Alabama beating Jackson State by 55. Mm-hmm. The algorithms, the voters, every single iteration of how we pick the college football champion mm-hmm. always uh, was biased towards the 55 to nothing wins. Mm-hmm. Every single time. So the idea that at the college level, we should we should be teaching sportsmanship, and these are amateur athletes; they're not professional athletes. And this is for pride and for school and blah 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 blah. No, the committees themselves actively incentivize teams to run up scores to look better, to have a better resume. However, in every other situation, I disagree Did with it- this sportsmanship conversation. I think we need. More sportsmanship. Why? Not to just get rid of it. Why? Because if we showed some kind of morality in sports, something that most people watch, maybe that would bleed over into but, our own life. But you're okay, but you're sending mixed messages because you don't actually want your players to be, oh no, 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 sir. You go you go ahead. You know, like you want you want ruthless killers. You well, want Michael Jordan on your team. You cheer for Kobe Bryant. Between the whistles, and, yes. Do you really care? Is it really that big of a deal that he's that he is mocking players? Uh, if I were Malik Beasley, would I run up to him and puff out my chest and peacock around? No, I wouldn't. But let's say he caught the ball and he just stood there instead of dunking. I would have been appreciative of that. I may have Does gone it, up to him and said, appreciate- hey, I appreciate that. Because well, I'm a but, grown man. No, 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 I have no. a family. Why do you- oh, gosh. Well, what, <laughs> Don't well, embarrass me. Why does it matter? First off, it is your responsibility to stop Rudy Gobert from from dunking it. Okay, the, the the fact that you're losing by 20 points and he puts in one more basket is that really that that's going to be the difference between you being embarrassed or not embarrassed? Really, I think that he, one meaningless basket at the end of the game. The fact that you're taking advantage of a situation where there is a clear precedent. That this is not what we do, and you did it anyway. Except, you, except for the Jazz were playing full court press. On. Right. Now, in this particular instance, I actually don't think what Rudy did was that bad. In fact, after the game, the coach, when they asked him about it, he said, we teach our guys, when it's full court press, run to the, run to the hoop and get a layup. And that's exactly what Rudy did. Yeah. I'm fine with that. And but even if they didn't, who cares? It's a meaningless basket at the end of a game, and you're going to go up to him and be like, "Hey, man, I really appreciated you not putting it's, that." But it's ethics. What does it, but why is that <laughs> ethics? Why? You, who said that that's ethics? Who said that Rudy Gobert not scoring a basket or scoring a basket at the end is somehow ethical? Well, almost a hundred years of basketball history. Oh has my said that This, this is, it's a. That's the rule. Who? Where is that? 
The same way all unwritten rules are written. They just are. <laughs> they just are. But why is that? Why do we put... We say that we put such an emphasis on that, but we actually don't because we really want Kobe Bryant. We really want Michael Jordan. Well, I want and to win. We, yes. And all of these players are alpha males and they want to win. And I understand that. Now, so in the case would of. Would you want the Dalai Lama playing ba- <laughs> basketball for you on your team? No. Or do you want Michael Jordan? But if the game's out of hand, you catch it, there's no possible way that you can lose this game. It is literally impossible. I don't care. Just stand there. Who cares? Obviously, Malik Beasley does. Most of the NBA. That's my point, is that it's overrated. Who cares? The the fact that he cares is silly. To me, it's not... That moment is not about basketball. It's about how we treat each other. And he just showed, I don't care. Oh. That is my point. And so I would rather have so a, a dog between the whistles, right? Yeah. But then when the game's over, let it be over. Don't showboat. Don't don't be Terrell Owens, right? There's a reason why most people hated that guy, unless he was on your team, right? But exactly my point, though, is everyone on that team loved him. Then it's sportsmanship didn't matter. And then Deion Sanders the same that way. That is my whole point. When Michael Jordan is your guy, you you tend to look the other way on sportsmanship. But oh, when Rudy Gobert scores a dunk at the end of the regulation, then it's how dare he? <laughs> I don't think Michael Jordan ever did anything like that. Oh he? yes, he did. <laughs> just Absolutely. like not, but not not even just running up the score. Uh, but. Uh, how he treated opposing players, how he treated players on his own team. Yeah, he, he would get in fights a lot. Yeah, for sure. All the time. Yeah, but you, nothing like this at the oh, end of a game. Yes, correct. A, a meaningless basket. Yes, uh, mocking uh, an opposing player, calling them every other word, you know, every word in, in the book. Mm-hmm. That is That is much better than scoring a meaningless basket at the end of the game. Both things are not great. Uh, I'm Trevor. clutching my pearls, <laughs> Will. But what I'm saying is, wouldn't we rather. <laughs> Have a team that wins and can do so gracefully, right? No, <laughs> it it is up to the Jazz to stop Rudy Gobert I don't from want scoring. A team of thugs, though, I've had that. So you the are Bengals whoa, 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 whoa. for years. So now Rudy Gobert is a thug. No, 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 no. that's not what I'm score- saying. Okay, sorry, that's not what I'm saying. I apologize if that's how it came I, across. I did say that I don't want them being unnecessarily. You know, I don't want uh, criminals. Okay? Right. That's not what I'm talking about. Yeah. But I don't need choir boys playing the game. Yeah, I had, I rooted for, I mean, there were a few years there where the Bengals, they just had nothing but thugs on the defense. Oh, and I get that. And they would just, I swear, every game we had like six late hit penalties, two roughing the passers. Where It looked like they were trying to kill guys out there. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't fun to watch. I felt embarrassed yeah. by that kind of conduct. You right. know what I mean? And we've talked about uh, who's the guy that knocked the cell phone out of uh, oh, the jazz uh, fan. Uh, oh, my gosh. Um, on the Raiders. Or, no, sorry. Russell Westbrook Russell did it Westbrook. to the... Westbrook. To the, I'm not talking like stuff like that, right? You you gotta you gotta keep yourself in check. There's there's definitely a line, right. but but 
the sport the the sportsmanship stuff. Like I, I, at this point, I don't need. I'm if, not super bugged by it. If that's what you're asking, we we made fun of um, uh, LeBron James for going off the court. Uh, a year or so ago, and he while his team he, was losing, while his team was losing, yeah, the the sportsmanship stuff. I I don't know. I think it's a little overrated. So I think I'd rather have a team that plays mean than a team that is sportsman like. So I agree with you there. I do think that sportsmanship and the amount of sportsmanship we're showing is probably the least of the NBA's problems, right? <laughs> like, I heard about this, and I was like, okay, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, it didn't bother me that much. But uh, there's a lot of other problems with sports that I would prioritize over the sportsmanship thing. But I hope one day, Trevor, that that is part of the conversation. I remember one time... Uh, Dave Rose, and I'll end on this. I forget who it was. I think it was Zach Selyus. Anyway, it was a BYU basketball player. Uh, there was a full por- court press at the end of the game. BYU beats the full court press. We're up by like 50. It was one of those 100-point nights for BYU basketball. Mm-hmm. And Zach Selyus shoots the three, right? Uh, he didn't make it. But Dave Rose runs out on the court and is screaming in his face that that's not how we treat guests. Right, we're not here to humiliate anybody and to run up th- to make it look like we're running up the score because mm-hmm. that's what that is at that point. The only reason to score is just to score, right? You're not trying to win; you've already won. And I, I like that attitude mm-hmm. that we're here to win. We're not here to humiliate anybody. Mm-hmm. And so I just that's where I stand with that. Now, am I super bugged that someone would do this? No, I don't care. Mm -hmm. Like, if you're going to win anyway, in the NBA, in professional sports, you win by two, you win by a hundred. It doesn't matter. It's just a one game, right? It's not like college where there's a style factor in how you win. And you you bring up an interesting point. We're out of time. But with uh, the NCAA, you have colleges being paired up with other colleges that don't even come close in the talent oh, sphere. Yeah. So there's definite it, style points. Look at Michigan well, this year. But even I, I don't even Michigan didn't and, even play anybody other than the Ohio State. I don't even mean style points though. I'm talking like you, you get an Alabama playing a uh, uh you know roast beef tech and <laughs> the the talent point. pools are completely different. And so, yeah, yeah, you, you I have feel, to. But the NBA, it's generally fairly even, right? Right. At least that's the idea. And some nights you have off nights and whatever. Yeah. Well, I I appreciate the discussion, but will let's move on to screens. Screens. All right, Trevor, you ready for a mystery? Ooh, I like a good mystery. <laughs> so. Let this uh, mystery percolate over the Christmas break for everybody. Mm, mm. I learned about this this week. This is actually pretty old news, but I'm just finding out about it. Okay. So I'm going to share it with all of you. Okay. And you can tell me that I've missed the boat on this one. No pun intended. 
Oh, We're going to talk about James Cameron and the movie The Titanic. Ah, I see. yeah, I get it now. The the, the, <laughs> the pun, boat, you get the, the, the boat. Yeah, the the pun came after the yeah before the explanation. Isn't that fun? Yeah, yes. Oh my gosh. <sighs> anyway, so James Cameron notoriously is very hard to work with, especially in his younger days. Yeah. Uh, Ed Harris, when talking about the movie The Abyss, he hated that movie. Someone filming. asked him what it was like on set, and he said, "You would never ask a Vietnam vet how Vietnam was, so don't ask me how this movie was." He hated. He movie. hated it. Yes. Uh, the f- the uh, female co-star uh-huh. uh, in that film. There's a scene where she almost drowns. And then he has to smack her over and over to wake her up or whatever. Because uh-huh. that's what you do. You uh-huh. drown sure, people. You sure, smack them. Sure. Um, so she did almost drown in that scene. And so they had to yeah. resuscitate her. Uh-huh. And then they told her, lay back down so Ed Harris can smack her. And he just kept going. And James Cameron said, keep going. Keep going. And finally, after like the 20th smack, she stood up and said, I'm not an animal. And she walked off set. Like, that's the kind of stuff that James Cameron is known for. Oh, yeah. Just super intense. Or, like, putting uh, cameramen in freezing water uh, for, like, an hour at a time uh-huh. and stuff. Yeah. Uh, while they were filming Avatar. Okay. If a cell phone would ring on set, he would grab their phone and nail it to the floor. Just straight up grab his hammer, and he had big old nails, and he would just nail their flo- their phone to the floor. Nice. And just destroy it. <laughs> He's an intense dude, an intense director. Yes. <laughs> Titanic was no exception. Uh-huh. Uh, very famously, Kate Winslet, like, broke her elbow. Uh-huh. Uh, but she wouldn't tell anybody because she was scared of getting fired okay. or getting yelled at by James Cameron. James Cameron also thinks sportsmanship is overrated. That's true. <laughs> but he thinks submarines are awesome. Um, apparently on the Titanic set, when he would get into one of his moods, uh-huh. instead of calling him Jim, they'd call him Midge, which is the backwards of Jim. Okay. Uh, and just say, Midge is here. That was their code word for everybody straighten up because he's going psycho today. Okay. Right. He's just an intense dude. Okay. And uh, it's very famous for almost killing his crew members. This is the mystery. Okay. So, it was the night of August 8th, 1996. The cast and crew of the Titanic, including James Cameron, producer John Landau, and as a couple other stars and cinematographers, were ready to wrap up scenes set in the present day and move on to Mexico. Uh, where a massive reproduction of the doomed ship was waiting on an outdoor soundstage in Baja. Actually created half of the Titanic to film on. Hmm. So right now they're filming in uh, uh, Shearwater, just across from Halifax Bay um, in Scandinavia somewhere. Uh, And the crew broke for lunch around midnight. So they would film all night, right? Because I don't know if you've seen the Titanic, but the boat crashes in the nighttime, mm, Trevor. Yes. Um, so they did lunch around midnight, and a local catering company had provided, among other options, clam chowder. Okay. For the more than 60 people that ate the chowder, 
it didn't take long for effects to take hold. Cameron, who initially thought the shellfish might have contained paralytic shellfish neurotoxins, because he started getting really loopy, immediately ran out on set to check on everybody else. Okay? Uh, He got back to the set, and nobody was there. He told everybody to get ready. No one was there. Hmm. Um, It says, I'm standing at the monitors near the camera, and the room is completely empty. It's like the Twilight Zone. Some, and then he uh, he starts to wonder where people are. So he makes his way down the dock and he sees all of these cast members. Some people were laughing. Some people were crying. Some people were throwing up. Uh, Bill Paxton said, one minute I felt okay. The next minute I felt so anxious I wanted to breathe in a paper bag. Cameron was feeling the same way. Turns out, Trevor, someone laced the chowder with PCP. Oh, wow. <laughs> like wow. a lot of it. <laughs> so, um, they, they take all these people to the hospital where they test them. And they find out that they're all in this drug induced, uh, state of being. Oh, right? my goodness. Um, and this is what happened at the hospital. So eventually we all got put in these cubicles with curtains around us, but no one wanted to stay in their cubicles. Everybody was out in the aisles jumping into other people's cubicles. People had a lot of energy. Some people stole wheelchairs, flew down the hallways. Everyone was high. So this tiny little uh, emergency hospital in Halifax is dealing with 60 high-as-a-kite Hollywood crew members, right? Cameron, who says he was stabbed in the face with a pen by one of the crew members. Uh, said he was sitting there bleeding and laughing at the same time. He said people were moaning and crying, wailing, collapsed on tables and gurneys. Um, one of the directors of cinematography was leading a number of crew down the hall in a highly vocal conga line. You can't make this stuff. <laughs> wow. I had never heard this before. Have you never heard this? So I hadn't heard this either. Mm -hmm. So this is when they're wrapping up filming for, I think it's the end scene where old Rose drops the necklace into the water or whatever, right? So it's all the present day stuff. And then they're going to go shoot the rest of the actual, most of the movie in this giant recreation of the ship down in Mexico. Right. And then they all got high on PCP because someone put it in the clam chowder. So, there are two main suspects. Okay. So, now we're getting into the mystery part. Yes. No one knows for sure who did this or why. Okay. James Cameron has two uh, suspects. And this is what I want everyone to think about when we're on break. And I want to hear from everybody which of these two people you think it was. Uh, it, this article said, though Cameron has never named a suspect, he is pretty certain he knows who did it, which means he named a suspect. We had fired a crew member the day before because they were creating trouble with the caterers. We believe he was this poisoning was this idiot's plan to get back at the caterers, whom, of course, we promptly fired the next day. So it worked. Because they fired all the caterers for 
giving him bad clam chowder. Right? Yeah, or for no for no other reason, it, it may not have been their fault. Right, right. But you can't hire the same company back because right. everyone's going to be yeah. Well, and everyone's <laughs> going to be. Uh, suspicious of whatever right. you feed them so yeah so that's suspect number one someone that they fired okay for disgruntled uh, former employee. employee okay could be disgruntled with james cameron and the way that he runs his shop could be someone that wanted all the caterers to get fired because they he blamed them for the reason he was fired okay, okay. who is the other one this is the other one you ready it was the old lady the old lady is it really? Gloria Stewart, the six, 76-year-old star playing the older Rose. At the time, she was eating at a restaurant. So she was never at risk of food poisoning. Thank goodness, because she'd probably die, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, wait, but that makes her a perfect suspect, Trevor. It does make her a perfect <laughs> suspect. So who do you think? I want everybody to think about it and write into the show. When I come back, I expect 30 emails... With everybody telling me which one do you think it is? So the disgruntled worker, the seventy-six-year-old or Gloria Stewart playing Rose, (laughs) the old Rose who was eating at a restaurant. So she dropped the uh, what's the Hope Hope Diamond? Yeah, yeah, it's called Hope Diamond. So instead of dropping the Hope Diamond overboard, she dropped a, a whole lot of PCP in the chowder. <laughs> the chowder. And then she just happened to go out to eat that day. So just saying. It's a, you know. Opportunity. It's an interesting story for sure. I'd never heard this before. Yeah. Whoever did it is a terrible, terrible person, though. Well, this yeah. Is, this is like drugging. You could have killed everybody. Yeah. And drugging a bunch of people. Obviously, without their knowledge, is is some evil stuff. So yeah, uh, <laughs> I mean, they got high enough to. James Cameron says he was getting stabbed in the face and laughing about it. Yeah, like yeah. that is a lot of drugs. Yeah, that's that's not good. <laughs> no good. Thankfully, they're all Hollywood people, so yeah. they're used to it. Yeah. So their immune system, you know, got it out quickly. But. Uh, what a crazy story. That is a crazy story. I had never I, heard that. I had never heard that before. Mm-hmm. So that's the mystery. Okay. Who drugged the chowder? Okay. That's what I want everybody to figure out All right. while we're gone. Well, with that, Trevor, let's move on to your topic. Okay. So it's it's football season. We're still in uh Thank NFL. goodness. Yes. We still got the the NFL going and two college, more months, baby. College football playoffs are coming up and bowl season is is here. So who plays Saturday? Yeah, or tomorrow. Some, I don't know. I don't even care. So <laughs> how bad is that? Will in light of football, mm. each side has eleven players, mm. right? Yes. Eleven on offense and defense. Well, I thought we would do a draft uh, for Christmas movies. So we're going to list 22, or uh, 11 each, of our uh, uh, some great Christmas movies. Maybe not all of them are great. Uh, Some of them might be a little... Liffy, who knows? Yeah, but uh, we're gonna throw these. We're gonna throw these up there, and uh, you get to pick one. So we'll do it like uh, 
old school uh, like dodgeball. Okay. You know, everyone's lining up and we're the captains and we're just picking and whoever you get, that's on your team. Okay. All right. So what we're going to do is we're going to go through these. I'll list them off real quick and then we're going to rapid fire. And, yeah, man. Uh, I need a piece of paper. And pick. We're going to do it here. Yeah, I guess we, I could use just, the computer. <laughs> I suppose. Okay. All right. I'm ready so, to do this, man. Okay. So we'll go through them. I mostly tried to stay away from sequels. I have one sequel on here just because I felt like it was uh, such a big one that, that I included it. But, uh, you know, we have Santa Claus, but there's Santa Claus 2 and 3 and all this stuff. So I, I didn't list all of those. But uh, here we go. First is... Uh, Santa Claus is coming to town. Okay, you know that uh, TV special. It's, yeah, show it was thing? made so Rude. It was made by the same people that did the Rudolph, Rudolph movie. Yep, yep, right? yep. Yeah. So uh, we have a Christmas story, right? Okay, yeah. That's uh, you'll shoot your eye out, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Elf got 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 it in there, Adam. Classic. Uh, <laughs> White Christmas. Uh, Muppet Christmas Carol. Classic. Now, I could have gone lots of different Christmas carols. There's, there's of course, um, many of them. But yeah, there's a new one yeah, that my kids like. There, There's lots of them. Yeah. I just picked the Muppet one. Okay. Because okay. it's the best one. I think it's a very good one. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, the Santa Claus, right, with Tim Allen, that one. Uh, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, the Jim Carrey Okay, version. not the Illumination one. No. Okay. Uh, Daddy's Home 2. Now, that's an interesting one because uh, the first yeah. one, not a Christmas movie, but Daddy's Home 2, definitely a Christmas movie. Right, because they have the tree. Yeah. Well, what they thought was a tree. There's, there's a lot of... <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a lot there. Uh, Polar Express. Okay. It's a Wonderful Life. Okay. A Charlie Brown Christmas. Mm. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Okay. Frosty the Snowman. National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Jingle All the Way. Home Alone 1. Home Alone 2. Miracle on 34th Street, the 1994 version. Okay. Oh, okay. Uh, Christmas Chronicles. With, uh, uh, what's his face? Yes. Yes. <laughs> On Netflix. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. We were just talking about it. Yeah. I don't know. I knew his name two minutes two ago. Two ago. Uh, Die Hard. Uh-huh. Gremlins. <laughs> okay. Nightmare Before Christmas. Okay. Okay. So, that's our... Those are our players. Now, we got a draft. Now, we got a draft. Okay. So, Will, as this is my topic, I will let you go first. Okay. Sir. But we're going to do it snake, right? I do first, but... In the first round, but you do first in the second round, right? Sure. Okay, great. All right. For the first pick in the 2022 Sports Screens and Something Else Christmas Movie Draft, I select Charlie Brown Christmas. Okay. Strong. It's a wonderful Christmas movie, and one of the only Christmas movies that admits that Christmas is about <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> It's a short. It's a short list for sure. So big fan. Okay. All right, you go. I am gonna go. This is not going to be a shock to anybody, but uh, it's a wonderful life. The most predictable second pick of all time. Yeah. But it's a solid one. Okay. Okay. Now you go. All right. 
this is getting this is hard. tricky. The first one's easy, right? Out of yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, okay. I'm gonna go. This might be shocking, but I'm gonna go Muppet Christmas Carol. Oh, okay. I, I know. Tell you what, you know what else is great about this? We just finished watching this. Yeah. This is uh, another surprise movie that does have some mentions of Christ in the, there. Does it? Uh, uh, the reasons of of why? Yeah. I don't remember. I don't remember. Yeah. Um, they have. There's the part where uh so kermit right mm-hmm. uh he's talking uh to miss piggy about he's like hey how was how was church and he says little uh tiny tim said that he hoped that it helped people to think of who helped lame beggars walk and blind men see oh yeah and mm-hmm. um and then later at the end when he's seen the future version uh, and he's saying, Oh, how did the churchyard look? And he's, he's talking about, uh, great and that, uh, he hoped that people would think about the, the reason for the, the, the season, season, so to speak. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. It's like you, do, you wouldn't think of that in a Muppet movie, but yeah. it, they, they managed to put it in there. And, uh, in the song at the end also. Uh, the song at the end that, um, uh, Michael Caine is singing, he makes it, there's a line in there about him, uh, it's, it's as though he's praying to God saying, make my days longer and, uh, spare me and I will try to honor you through this day or whatever. Yeah. Anyway, so. There you go. I'm I'm picking Muppet Christmas Carol. Gotcha. All right. With my second pick, I'm going with a nostalgia pick. Okay. Very strong. Okay. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. I'm so glad you picked this one because it is <laughs> terrible. I hated it. And you got you got hoodwinked, buddy. No way. Yeah, that that is the equivalent of you picking Jimmer <laughs> or or uh uh, Zach Wilson in the, in the second pick. Rudolph, I have, I watched this tape to death. That is, a, I think I, that is a bust. I for burnt sure. this tape. No. I watched it so much. And my kids also love this movie. Yeah. Now, as I've gotten older, I've realized some things about the elf, you know, yeah, yeah. whatever. <laughs> he wants to be a dentist. Yeah. He's not like the other so, elves. So, uh, yeah, Rudolph, you're you're paying a high Classic price for him. Bill Ives is the snowman. I know, great. You're 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 paying a high draft <laughs> price for him, but he he's gonna bust. He's going belly up. No now. way, man. This is a value pick. All right, Kay. you go. I'm gonna go. Oh, with... Wait, no, it's my turn again. Oh yeah, it's your turn. It's again. my turn you're again. Right, you're right. Okay. The next movie, I'm gonna pick. Christmas Vacation. This is a fantastic movie. It basically has the same moral as It's a Wonderful Life. (laughs) If you think about it. Does it? Because the guy comes in at the very end of the movie with his Christmas bonus. You remember? Yeah. Right as he's about to freak out. I guess. (laughs) 
I guess. And it comes with the added benefit of being hilarious. Okay. That scene where they WD-40 the sleds, (laughs) chef's kiss. All right. Uh, Go ahead. All right. Uh, Okay. I'm going to go... The Santa Claus. Oof. Solid choice. The first one is great. The first... It's the only one. It's the only one that's great. Uh In fact, we're watching the TV show right now as a family. It's not good. I I imagined. Yeah, I got that vibe. Yeah. From watching. It's not good. Three episodes in and and, uh, we're not loving it, Mm -hmm. but uh, we're going to stick it out. We're going to hope for a strong finish. Woo! Disney's going (laughs) to restore their reputation for us as of late. Probably not with that one. (laughs) All right. I get it. All right, go again. All right. Uh, I'm going to go with... Yeah, I'm going to go with White Christmas. Okay. Uh, It's a great musical. Mm Mm-hmm. I love it. Bing Crosby. Uh, One of the original holiday singers. At least when I think of, like, uh, Christmas music... I think a lot of Bing Crosby singing. Sure, right? sure. And a lot of people think of this movie being the movie that brought White Christmas uh, to popularity. Not true, actually. The song? Uh, the song, yeah. yeah. Uh, that actually debuted uh, in Holiday Inn. That was the movie, Holiday Inn, with Bing Crosby, sings White Christmas. However... Uh, Holiday Inn loses points for all of the blackface. So, uh, oh, <laughs> Bummer. <laughs> it's uh, the past catches up to you fast, yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. So I went white Christmas, and yeah. uh, it's strong. That it's a good, good pick. It's a good pick. Okay. So I am going to go with how the Grinch stole Christmas, oh, the Jim Carrey gosh. version. I you your. <laughs> You know you're trying to pick the best, right? Right. I love this movie. I feel like you're going the opposite. No way. This movie is a classic. Of the three Grinch movies, the original animated one, this one, and then the Illumination one that just came out, this is the best one. Your team is like the average (laughs) Joes or whatever. Okay. I love this movie, mostly because I have a great memory with my dad on this movie. All right. I'm going to go. Wait, it's your turn turn turn. again. It's my turn again. I keep forgetting. I'm going to punch you. I'm going to go Elf. Okay. It's a strong pick. Elf. At this point in the draft... Elf still being available <laughs> That's a, is pretty that, good. That is really, because most is Christmas movies good. run ju- purely off of nostalgia. Most of them are actually quite bad. <laughs> Correct. So. Correct. So, at this point in the draft, that's a steal. Yeah. That's a steal. I feel pretty good about that's that That's a one. steal. All right. Go ahead. All right. I'm going to go Home Alone. Okay. Strong pick. Classic. Debatable on whether or not it's a Christmas movie or not. Home Alone? Yes. Debatable on if it's a Christmas movie? Because the... Pretty sure that's not a debate. Well, people would say that the subject matter isn't focused on Christmas. It just takes place during Christmas. It's kind of like the Die Hard argument. No. No, it's not at all (laughs) like the Die Hard 
argument. Die Hard is nowhere close to a Christmas movie in comparison to Home Alone. Home Alone is much more a Christmas movie for sure. But a lot of people fight about Die Hard. It's all about the mom getting back to be with Kevin for, for Christmas. Christmas. Yeah, I, I get it. But it's mostly about hijinks and whatnot. It's They don't end it with like a, a Tiny Tim... Oh, telling us a moral or anything. Home Alone? <laughs> yes. Yes, they do. When's the last time you've seen it? Many there's, years ago. There's a, the whole scene with him in the church with the oh, neighbor. Oh, that's right. That's right. They talk about forgiveness and mm. and uh, and not being afraid. And you got to reach out to you know people that you love and you care about. Solid movie. You need to go watch that I movie I need to go again. watch it again. You have never that that is worse than your uh, sportsmanship take. <laughs> Home Alone is like I'm not saying I didn't it, think it was a Christmas movie. I've just seen people argue those about people it. are clearly wrong. All right, go on. <laughs> All right, All right we're, I'm picking again. Right, one more. Uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. Ooh, so I didn't think you'd pick this one. Didn't you not like this movie? No, I like it. Oh, okay. My go, wife doesn't like it. We'll go fast. We, we were talking okay. too much about it. We'll okay, just go okay, fast. Okay. Go fast. My next one is going to be Die Hard. Okay. I'm going to pick Die Hard. Great movie. Okay, go again. Um, I hate Jingle All the Way so much. I will pick... I'm going to take Home Alone 2. How okay. about that? Yeah, that's a good you one. You got the first one. I'll take the second one. Okay. Uh, I'm picking Miracle on 34th Street. Okay. Classic. The scene with him on Santa's lap. Good stuff. And then I'm going to go... I'm going Jing all the way. No! Ugh! <laughs> yeah, so good. That was That's a draft mistake. No. This no, that's that. That one is like Rudy Gobert in the second round. That one's gonna. That one's got legs. No, this is freaking Lamar Odom okay. is who you pick right there, sir. All right. Um, let's see. The rest of these are garbage. Um, I'll take Daddy's Home too, just because that one makes me giggle, especially the part with the thermostat. And then I'll take Gremlins. Dang it. I wanted... <laughs> that Gremlins was going to be my next one. Okay. Um, Glad I could steal them from you. Okay, I'm we going... We can trade after uh, this if you want. I'm going Christmas Chronicles. Okay. Terrible, terrible movie. Kurt Russell, by the way, Kurt is Russell. the name. And then I'll go... I'll this go is, you got a Christmas story, a Polar Express... Santa Claus is coming to town. Frosty left. I'm That's going it. Frosty. Okay. I'm going Frosty. Bring of nostalgia. the three of these, of the four of these, Frosty's the only one that doesn't induce nightmares. <laughs> the Polar Express is the scariest movie I've ever seen. Okay. Um. Ugh, I've got to admit, I've never seen a Christmas story. You've never seen a Christmas story? No. And so I don't think I can pick that one out of respect for the film. So I'm going to take Santa Claus is Coming to Town, even though that movie is really bad. 
and then for my 11th pick, I guess I'll take the Polar Express. Oh, uh, no. Because that movie is just Tom Hanks in the Uncanny Valley. I'm stuck with a You're Christmas. You're stuck with a Christmas story. I hate that movie. <laughs> I know it. They have the famous lamp in it that everybody the talks lamp about it. Fudge. Yeah, so I've seen a lot of clips from it, but I have never seen the whole movie. It's not. I don't think it's good. I don't like it at all. <laughs> Some people it's, like it. Some people love it. It is definitely a love it or hate it movie, and I just happen to fall in the hate it. All right. So to go to go, I have go through it again. It's a wonderful. I have It's a Wonderful Life, Muppet Christmas Carol, The Santa Claus, White Christmas, Home Alone, Nightmare Before Christmas, Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street, Jingle All the Way, Christmas Chronicles, Frosty the Snowman, A Christmas Story. I have a pretty strong. You have a good lineup. But my bottom of the roster is way better than yours. Okay. Okay. So I've got Charlie Brown Christmas, uh-huh. Rudolph, uh, Christmas Vacation, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, Elf, Die Hard, Home Alone 2, Daddy's Home 2, Gremlins, Santa Claus is Coming to Town, and the scariest movie of all. Polar Express. It's such so a I weird admit, movie. Polar Express is so weird. So scary. The homeless man on top of the train. Very scary stuff. Anyway, the next part of this topic is everybody's got to write in and vote. Yes. Who had the better draft? Who had the better draft? Yep. Trevor or Will? The winner will get a pastry. Whoever, the first person to vote. I will buy you a pastry. The first person the to first vote? The first person to vote. Okay. I will buy you a pastry. All right. There you go. There you go. Because I really want to know what people think. If you're ready, Trevor, though, we're going to talk about something else. Something else. Huh? Trevor, for this Christmas season, I want to give everyone the gift of knowledge mm. and financial success. It's quite the gift. <laughs> Let's hear it, Will. I want to give everyone a cautionary plumbing tale mm. that may be beneficial to our listeners. Okay. So my wife and I, we uh, almost exactly a year ago, we moved into our new house. And the water here tastes like two rats died, uh, brought their other rats' friends who also died, ate a bunch of rocks, and then threw them all up into our well. Okay. That's what our water tastes like here. Okay. It's not good. All right. Uh, in fact, they they keep moving around which well we're getting water from. Some of them are okay, but some of them, it's so bad, I like my gag reflex is engaged <laughs> really? on these. It's that bad. bad. Okay. We have some of the hardest water in the country here. Okay. It's just bad. Okay. Where where you where do you live in the in the uh, in, the, in the quarries of Eastern Oregon, right? <laughs> so, um, my wife and I were trying to figure out a solution because our fridge's filter does nothing to mm-hmm. the water; mm-hmm. it still tastes gross. Mm-hmm. And we heard about this thing called a reverse osmosis system. Yes, have you ever heard of this? I have. Okay, yeah. I had not. Okay, so it's a really really fancy. Water, uh, water filter yep. that uses all sorts of cool little uh, chemical reactions in three different tubes to separate literally everything out of the water. So the only thing that's left is just pure water. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. It tastes better than bottled water. We loved it. We got it all set up and we put it to the fridge 
And at first, everything was fine. And then over the coming weeks, it started getting slower coming out of the fridge and slower and slower. Mm -hmm. And it got to the point where I'd sit there for five minutes to fill up a water bottle, Trevor. Okay. It's a long time just sitting there with your arm out getting water. Another time we'll talk about why it took you to this point before you decided (laughs) to do anything wrong. Um, when it got to the point where I was actually getting angry yeah. every time I had wanted water because it was so slow getting out that I thought, well, this must be a fridge problem because it's getting slower over uh-huh. time. Uh-huh. Called the fridge people. It's still under warranty. They come out, right? Mm-hmm. They say there's literally nothing wrong with this fridge. It's a problem. It's a plumbing problem. You need okay. them to come out. It's not getting enough pressure. To open the valve to shoot water in. Okay. I said, okay. So I call the plumber. Plumber comes out. So at this point, I've already paid my plumber a bunch of money to put in the system. Mm -hmm. So I have to pay him to come back out, right? Mm -hmm. And he says, well, maybe you're using too much water. So he gives us a second tank to hold water in our reverse osmosis system. So I pay a bunch of money for that, Mm -hmm. right? Mm Mm-hmm. The problem gets worse, Trevor, not better. It gets even slower to the point where, like, I don't have all day to get water. So I would pull the fridge out, get behind it, unscrew it, and mm. fill it up from there. Mm. But And that came out just fine. So, again, I'm like, this has to be a fridge problem. Mm. Because if I crawl behind the fridge, unhook it, and just pour the water straight from the wall, it's coming out just fine. Okay. So I call the fridge people again. Fridge people come back out, and they check all this stuff, and they say, nope, it is not the fridge. It is your plumbing. There's not enough pressure. And I sit there, and I fight with the guy. I have videos of the straight out of the wall, it filling up water bottles in five seconds, Mm -hmm. right? Sure. And I'm like, this has to be the fridge. And we go back and forth, and he says he's not going to charge me, but if I call him out one more time, he's going to charge me just for his time, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So I call the plumber again. He comes out. He turns up the water pressure to the house. He puts this motor on the system and all this stuff and blah, blah, blah. Uh, uh. Doesn't fix anything. I crawl back behind there, Trevor. And there's two dead rats with rocks. With rocks. (laughs) No. That would have been a much better story. I crawl back behind the fridge to fill up my water bottles again. There's a sticker on the back of my fridge. That I never noticed before. Uh You know what it says? No, Will. What does it say? Do not hook a reverse osmosis system to this fridge. Reverse osmosis systems have a maximum PSI of 45. You need at least 70 to open up the valve on this fridge. So, rather than having the plumber... And the fridge guy and me, all frustrated with each other, blaming each other for what's going on, if just one of the professionals that I hired to come to my house had just told me, oh, yeah, it says right here, you don't hook it up here. If the plumber had known, we wouldn't have put it to the fridge. We would have put it in our sink. If the fridge guy would have told me that, showed me the sticker, I would have immediately known, oh, I got to move the water to not the fridge. It's never going to work with the fridge. But nobody did that. I had to figure it out on my own. So now, 
Trevor. Uh-huh. I had to pay a guy to come out and drill a hole in my countertop where my sink is. Uh-huh. And I have to pay another plumber to come out and Zay. switch the water lines. Yeah, well, first hook up off, the normal water back up to the fridge. Were you calling the same plumber guy? No, I'm okay. not calling that plumber. So I've, there's a guy in our neighborhood that's a plumber that's actually going to do it for a, a very reasonable price. Okay. Whereas the guy from the other plumbing place was going to charge me almost double. Yeah. I'm going to hook up the water, normal water back to the fridge so we can still get ice. Mm-hmm. And then get nice filtered water to my sink. Ah. Uh, okay. Very nice. Moral of the story is this. And we don't have to spend any more time. Look at the back of the fridge first. <laughs> Reverse osmosis systems will not work with fridges. Oh. That is the moral of the story. And nobody told you that. Nobody. Hmm. The hundreds, almost $2,000 that I spent on people coming out trying to fix this problem, not one person told me, well, yeah, it won't work with the fridge. So. Did it, did all of those people, including the fridge repairmen, did they know that you had a reverse osmosis? Yes. Okay. And and he kept saying, yeah, uh, sometimes that slows down water, but you need it to be at this point, and the plumber can do that. A, no, he can't. The plumber can't do that. Hmm. The maximum PSI coming out of a reverse osmosis system is 45. Hmm. It is not fast enough to get through your fridge. And number two, the plumber never said, yeah, some fridges, it won't work. Never once said that. Hmm. Yeah. So. Don't hire that plumber ever Of course. And, Just uh, so everybody knows, out yeah. there in the world, if you're ever getting a reverse osmosis systems, you can't hook it up to your fridge. Good Good wisdom. That's just a wisdom. That is my us. gift to everyone. Oh. That little nugget of knowledge. Save yourself. $2,000 and just put it through your sink. The there, end. There you go. <laughs> it would have been cheaper for you just to buy bottled water. Oh my gosh. Well, let's move on to your topic, Trevor. All right. Well, uh, we'll go fast. Uh, because it's Christmas, I wanted to talk about some favorite Christmas memories growing up. Yeah. Uh, do you have any? Yeah. So, I really liked, I don't remember specific gifts a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember getting a PlayStation 2 only because it's a little, it's a long story, but essentially I accidentally forced my parents to spend a lot more money on it than they had to. Okay. Because I didn't understand how to turn on a PlayStation 2. Okay. Anyway, I really remember fondly sitting around the tree and everybody going one by one and opening their gift. Uh-huh. I liked other people watching other people open their gifts. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know why I'm weird that way. Most kids love opening their own gifts and I was excited to open mine, mm-hmm. but I really liked watching other people open their gifts. And is it as a parent, isn't that your favorite part of Christmas? Oh, of course. Is watching your kids and your spouse opening up their presents, right? Uh, so that was one of your uh, yeah. favorite Christmas gifts? My, my dad would put on Mannheim Steamroller. Okay. 
And that was the family's go-to? That was his go-to. His go-to? Okay. That and Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Those oh. two. Okay. Uh, and we do Christmas. It was great. And we'd, uh, my dad would make breakfast for everybody. What was the breakfast that he would make? Is it the Always same every year or Pancake, different? egg, sausage. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we've been doing, and I think my brother does this as well, but uh, um, do uh, German pancakes or Dutch, oh, yeah. Dutch babies the, or whatever. Yeah, 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 the tiny ones. The tiny no, 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 no. Those are those. Abelskiver. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You're talking about like the puff pancakes. Yeah, yeah. Like the, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm with you now. Do that every Christmas morning. The stuff that you spray lemon juice on. No. <laughs> My I mean, wife makes some Dutch pancake stuff that you spray okay. lemon juice on. Oh, does and she? powdered sugar. Oh, we do the powdered sugar. Yeah. Okay. Well, try lemon juice. Okay. It's really try good. There's lots of different things you can do yeah. with this. Um, yeah, same. I, I think that that is one thing that, uh, I appreciated about our family growing up was we would all take turns. We, with all the kids that we had in our family, it was open one gift at a time and we would go all around. Uh, and we still do that today, uh, with my family. So, um, I don't have, I don't know if I have a specific, Christmas memory. I, I love driving around with our family looking at Christmas lights. Yeah. Um, that was something I remember. Um, those were good times. Best Christmas gift. You know, I didn't have a whole lot that stood out. Uh, my family kind of makes fun of me for this one, uh, which is understandable, but I was, oh, I had to have been probably like 14 mm-hmm. or so. When DVD players were just like coming right. out to the general public, you know, that you weren't spending a thousand dollars on. Yeah. They were like 150 bucks or whatever. Well, they were maybe, they were, yeah. Uh, I think they were a little more expensive than that for generally, but my parents were able to get one for Black Friday. It was on oh, sale nice. or something, but I had asked for, uh, a DVD player that year. And because I didn't know any of my friends that had DVD players at that point. And I think I just wanted something that nobody else had, you know, something to make your house cool. Yeah. Because yeah. we weren't cool in any other way. <laughs> uh, what was really cool is so I was begging my parents for it. It was I was annoying them. And uh, we go to open up gifts and I'm looking around and there is nothing that is dvd player shape and this is back when they were huge they were oh yeah big. and so you could tell which what gift would be a dvd player our first one was a hoss man okay yeah. yeah yeah uh we're opening gifts and i it's at near the end and i i could tell that i'm not getting this and i'm kind of feeling disappointed and my brother-in-law he was there and he goes to open up his gift and it was a dvd player and i'm like Oh my goodness. I can't like kind of in disbelief that he got that. And then he hands it to me and he says, just kidding, Trev, it's yours. And, uh, I was so excited. I, 
I, I got emotional, but, um, that's, that what, fills me with joy. <laughs> what's funny was there was a little insert, a little advertisement inside the DVD player for this new and upcoming, uh, DVD rental company called Netflix. Oh, yeah. Uh, where they used where to mail you the, the discs. mail you. Yeah, yeah. This was when I signed up for them. Nobody had ever heard of them before. It was, they were just coming onto the scene and, uh, yeah, dvd.com was, was their website. Was it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. So anyway, um, yeah, that was one of my favorite Christmas, uh, gifts for sure. My favorite gift is one that I didn't get, but one that I gave. Okay. I don't know if that counts. That's, that's a much better, <laughs> I don't know if that goes against much more, uh, thoughtful than my, <laughs> My story. So it was last Christmas. Okay. Uh, my son had asked for a particular video game. Okay. And uh, we went through the whole Christmas thing, and he didn't get it. Mm-hmm. But he got a letter from Santa. Instead of getting a gift from Santa, he got a letter. Mm-hmm. And the letter, so he's crying because he's a little upset he didn't get his his game. Yeah, his game. The letter... Santa talked about how proud he was of him, how good of a kid he was, how much he appreciates everything that he does, pointed out some things that he was really impressed by Mm. that he did. That was nice of Santa. And then at the very end, it said, P.S., turn on the Nintendo and enjoy your game. I had downloaded it onto the Switch itself instead of buying the cartridge. Mm -hmm. Um, So I could give him the letter and tell him how much I appreciated him. And give him the game at the same time. So oh. he turned on the game and he was all crazy excited. Well, look at you. And, and just, Santa. <laughs> just seeing him go from like, he's he was trying to put on a good face. Mm-hmm. Like he, he knew what he was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And just going from being kind of disappointed to being really grateful for this nice letter to being so excited that, oh my gosh, the game actually is here. Mm-hmm. And they just went nuts. Yeah. It, yeah. Was, it was really, really, really great. That's awesome. Uh, I don't know if I'll ever be able to pull off a surprise like that again, but uh, that that's probably my favorite gift that I ever gave. So, I love Christmas music. Do you like Christmas music? I love Christmas music. Yeah. 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 What are some of your favorite Christmas songs? What like genre or style do you like? Well, S, like, A plus tier mm-hmm. for me mm-hmm. is... Silent Night and Oh Holy Night. Okay. Those are my two favorite Christmas songs. Okay. I, I'm kind of over Oh Holy Night. I think <laughs> I don't love it. But uh, Silent Night, of course, is, uh, is the greatest. Because Silent Night really resonates with me. Because when I think of how I worship, mm-hmm. I prefer to do it a lot more reverently. Mm-hmm. Right, and I feel like that song is my vibe. Okay, right, how I feel about things. Yeah, yeah. I approach it just a, that way. Um, and then, as far as secular Christmas music goes, mm-hmm. <sighs> I don't know. Do you like? I tend to like the more uh, classic yes. Christmas music. Um, the the hymns. the Christmas song you know, chestnuts roasting yeah. okay. on an open fire I love that song okay, you like those okay. uh, I like most of like when Michael Bublé does it and stuff I, oh, I yeah. like that stuff yeah yeah the uh, crooner Christmas right 
stuff. Yeah, Bing yeah. Crosby. I don't like a lot of the modern Christmas music. Oh, most of it's garbage. Like the Mariah Carey one that everybody loves. It's terrible. I hate that it's song. Awful. I hate that song. It is awful. Uh, worst Christmas music has to be anything that the Beatles put out. <laughs> well, they just Simply did it having a wonderful Christmas time. Man, I hate that song. That's awful. Or uh, Oh, man. Happy Xmas War is Over. Or oh, whatever. yeah. That's garbage. That's a stupid song. Um, um, what else is uh, terrible? Uh, okay. So there's a Christmas song called Fairy Tale of New York. Mm. Uh, I love this song. It's by the, it's by the Pogues. Okay. They're an Irish band. Okay. Um, I wouldn't listen to it with the kids in the car, <laughs> okay. I would say. Okay. Because it's about a man and his wife who, uh, know everything about each other. Mm. The good... And the bad, okay. and how they wish each other Merry Christmas anyway. Mm. And it is hilarious. It is not politically correct. Okay. In fact, in England, they took it off the radio. So mm. it was, it's the number one Christmas song in England, apparently, in the United Kingdom. Okay. And they took it off the radio because it says some offensive things. Uh-huh. The blowback was so intense that one radio station started playing it every hour on the hour. Mm. Uh, people love this song wow. across the pond, and it is a it is a really good song. I think it's in the uh the Christmas the Galaxy Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas movie that just oh, came Zen. out. I think it's in there too. So some of my un uh my underrated uh, Christmas classic songs, uh, Holly in the Ivy. I haven't heard that song. I don't oh, think. Really? Really? Well, oh, I, yeah. maybe I have. Oh yeah, but I I don't recall. Okay, go look up Holly and the Ivy. Okay, for someone that likes the religious and uh, more uh, sacred or whatever. Yeah, Holly and the Ivy is great. Uh, do you like we or uh, I saw three ships? Yeah, that one's fine. That one's good. I like that one. It sounds like a drinking song to me. Bum, 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 I love bum. it. So you just good. sway along with it with your with your. Uh, I didn't used to like it. it used to be mug. one that yeah, it used to be one that I didn't like. I, I like. Do you like you like punk rock music? Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, you grew up with the the pop punk as well. Uh, there's a pop punk song. Um, called uh, his favorite Christmas story. Have you heard it? Mm-mm. So it's a an original. Uh, that this punk band uh, wrote, and I'll tell you, it's not like um, this deep, you know, profound song or whatever. But as far as like storytelling goes, which is not um, a strong suit for uh, most punk bands, right. right? That's more of a folk thing. Yes. Yeah, it's actually really good. Oh, good. I, our kids really like it. His favorite Christmas story. Uh, the kids love singing that one. Another uh, Christmas song that's modern that is actually pretty good that we really like that the kids really like is uh, Coldplay did it first, but it's called Christmas Lights. Okay. And uh, Yellow Card does a really good cover of that uh, Christmas Lights. Are they still around? Yeah, I Yellow think card. so. Maybe no, I think they're done. Now, okay, but uh, you know, back in the day, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so check out those songs, but. Some of those worst songs, yeah, Mariah Carey, 
terrible. <laughs> Beatles, terrible. The worst by far is Wham's Last Christmas, though. I don't know if I know that one. Yes, you do. Last Christmas, oh, I, I gave, gave you my heart, but the very next day, you gave it away. Woo! Yeah, this it. year, to save, save me from tears, I give it to someone special. Special. <laughs> there you go. You guys got a, a singing uh, rendition from, another from, gift from us. <laughs> from us to you guys. Well... Uh, thank you to everyone. Thank you for listening. Have a Merry Christmas. Thank you so much for uh, listening to the show and supporting us. It means a lot to us. Yeah. Uh, we've loved getting, we've gotten a lot more feedback this year than we've ever gotten. And it's really, really made it all worth it. Mm-hmm. So thank you, listeners. And I hope everybody has a Merry Christmas. We'll see you next year. All right. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of Sports, Screens, and Something Else. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider subscribing and sharing it with your friends. Be sure to rate and review the show wherever you listen. If you want to contact the show, you can send an email to show at gmail.com. And join us next time on Sports, Screens, and Something Else.